me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Welcome back to the Elemental Health Podcast. I'm Nick Quinton with you every single week delivering uh, an impactful episode to try and help you understand where you are in your journey to health and then how to live a fuller, healthier life. Um, exciting episode this week and those of you that have been following week by week and very closely um, you'll notice that I slipped the last couple of weeks and that's that's due to the birth of my newborn son which obviously has made kept me pretty busy within the home life but um, but I am back and I've got some exciting uh, guests lined up with you no less so than to this week's episode with Alexander Butler this episode is launching on the eve of his book launch um, with, the, with the, the exciting launch of his brand new book, 12 Words That Will Set You Free. Um, and the episode is really a kind of deep dive into um, what he's tried to achieve with that book and aspects that he brings into his coaching um, and aspects of self-coaching that can help you unlock um, a, a more focused and resilient uh, view of the world and, and how, how you can kind of the track that the toxicity and the, the, the hecticness and the challenge that, that your past has kind of left you with and the baggage that that's created and, and that allow you to break through that and, and really uh, fulfill the, the, the potential that, that is, is inherently within all of us. Um, sounds exciting and we're really going to detail around all those different components as well as um, some aspects of, of mental health that are really pertinent in this day and age. Um, Alexander's got a really unique insight into that um, component as well. And then we, we touch on, on the spiritual journey that we're all on whether we acknowledge it or not and, and how that can manifest in different ways in different people and, and, and how to perhaps navigate through that and how to, to kind of uh, interpret it and, and construct something that allows you to, to understand what's going on um, in that space loads and loads of amazing uh, different aspects of the conversation really excited to share this one with you guys um, please welcome Alexander Butler Alexander Butler, welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Hey, Nick. Thank you very much for uh, jumping on with me. Um, really excited to have you here and um, explore what you've been up to and, and your sphere of influence around coaching and um, what you believe the fundamentals are to to kind of raising your self-awareness and the tools um, and techniques that I know you, you employ in, in your coaching methodologies to try and um, help your clients kind of live a, live a happier life and, and, and uncover some of the um, some of the areas of their life where they're having challenges. So I'm, I'm intrigued to dive into all those little bits and pieces um, and explore your background um, in coaching and, and kind of leverage that for the audience, which is great. Um, and then also excited to talk about your book, which is coming out. So yeah, we'll, tomorrow. Uh, Very exciting. <laughs> so yes, um, but we'll get into that. And obviously there's a massive overlap because that project has, has been born off of all the bits and pieces that you're doing in, in the coaching space. Yeah, totally. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. Cool. Um, the guys have had a, a little bit of an intro about who you are, um, but do you want to kind of take us back in terms of your story, um, how you got into the coaching space uh, and why it's important that you do that work um, and why you feel that's that's relevant and, and why, why that's your kind of mission? Yeah, totally. Um, so I suppose you could say that I got into this whole world through my own personal struggles and my challenges. Um, I grew up with a, a sort of background of, of just a lot of um, depression, really. Uh, depression was a huge companion of mine from my early life. and I really struggled to make sense of the world. And I looked around at people who were just fine. And I was like, how do you do this? How do all you people just seem fine all the time? Yeah. And uh, that became really important for me to understand. So um, at, at the time, my, you know, my mother is a psychotherapist. So growing up with all that, you know, it was like Carl Jung and Maslow were being thrown around when I was little. And, and that was all completely day to day and normal. Um, went to university and I went and studied philosophy and religion and ethics and, and I just really wanted to understand what makes people tick why do we do the things we do why do we do the things on a personal level but also why collectively all of us together why do we make this mess of a culture together mm -hmm. and um, 
and I just that that question has just been obsessive and driving for me. Uh, and for a long time, it was just my own personal exploration. I I wanted to understand. I wanted to know truth as as clearly as I could get to it. And so I, I you know I met up with uh, with all sorts of sort of religious speakers, and I went and danced with shamans, and I studied with Sufis, and and then. I launched my own businesses along the way, and so working with top business leaders and understanding how that world ticks. And then it just sort of all began to coalesce, really, and I ended up working at this place, uh, a charity in Devon called Embercombe. And they do a lot of personal development and nature connection stuff, and, and it just really, it, it just felt like everything finally slid together, and I got it. And um, one day someone just sort of said, look, you could be doing this coaching stuff, this stuff we do every day. Why don't you take on this work? And I'm, me? I'm, okay. Then We're talking about sort of, nine ten years ago and um so i got a lot of training there i started getting really into it um i started noticing the difference i was able to make in people's lives and it's just it's just bloomed since then it's just been really exciting um able to take these what was effectively 20 years of training and experience experimentation and looking from things from every possible angle and then going okay how can i deliver this to one person in a way that will be practical it'll make sense to them they can immediately start making differences in their lives and it's just it's great um the, it's a real uh, honour and privilege to be able to sit with each of my clients. They arrive, they're in some sort of crisis, they've reached a, a roadblock, a crossroads, and they sit down and they're like, what the hell do I do? And I'm like, okay, well, here is some stuff that I know that uh, I've been able to piece together, some some uh, some tools and some techniques. And um, yeah, it's just really exciting to do what I do. Mm. So what what's... The, the coaching space feels to a lot of people quite new, doesn't it? Kind of like get, so, getting yeah. getting coaches, being a life coach, and you kind of you, you know the, the way social media sets up, you kind of see you get massively distracted by this beautiful view that we got. <laughs> it's gorgeous, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. Um, so it, it's you know I think people get uh, a bit confused and kind of bogged down in in this kind of life coach. Um, stereotype that we see out on the internet um but i'm, I'm intrigued to, to to get your viewpoint on on what what a coach is and versus maybe what a therapist or counselor would would, would have done um and, and the differences in those spaces because i think there are big differences but yeah, i absolutely. think in a lot of people's minds there's a massive overlap yeah. and there's a stigma associated with you know, perhaps going to see a counselor or a therapist, um, and that I think that for a lot of people that falls over into coaching, and that doesn't doesn't necessarily need to, as far as I'm concerned. I'd just like to get your view on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, in my opinion, both uh, both professions still have equal value, um, and it's not a one or the other thing. No. Um, it's it's different tools for different situations. So um, I have huge respect for counselors and psychotherapists, and um, I still regularly refer my clients onto them when it's when it's clearly needed. Um, so I'll talk about a bit of differences between the two to start with. So um, counselling and and psychotherapy is all about um, creating a space where you can just explore what is holding you back, and and, and there's no goal per se. Um, you do get solution focused uh, approaches, but Broadly, it's just uh, an empty space in which you can say the things that are on your mind and share where you're coming from. Uh, you've got a skilled therapist and you just sort of you work through things as you need to work through them. And it's really quite an organic, uh, often slow and, um, uh, and often quite past oriented process. There's a lot of talk about early life. There's a lot of talk about where you've come from. Um, and it's just taking that time to heal and, and, and sort things out in a really holistic way. Mm. Huge respect for it. It isn't my bag. I went and did a bit of training in it. Not my thing. Mm. My thing's coaching because it's all future oriented. Um, and it's all about where are you going, uh, creating a really clear vision for what that's going to be like when you get there, coming up with a plan with, with, with a real clear roadmap to get there, and then saying, okay, so what's holding me back from doing that? What, what limiting beliefs have I arrived with at this point? Um, what baggage have I got? What early life woundings have I got? There is early life stuff in my work, but it's all about the future. It's all about how are we getting you moving? Where are we getting you going to? How are we going to make that vision come true for you? Um, so, uh, so that's kind of the main difference, really. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do tends to be focused. It tends to be future oriented. Um, doesn't tend to be as long running. Um, I've got the other part of your question. No, no that was it. Um, and. I think uh, well, I was commenting on the, the kind of some of the stigmas associated with oh, going okay. to a going to a therapist or counselor versus a coach, and yeah. and I think you, you've highlighted there the, the the kind of my view as well. It's future 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 focused mm. is, is probably how I would describe it. Yeah, if I can say a little bit about the stigma thing. Um, so 
I'm sure we'll come on to my book later, but there is a whole section in my book which is it's the biggest chapter in the book, and it's all about the cultural stories that exist for us that we move through every day, which are really harmful for us on an individual basis. And one of these key stories is you're supposed to do it all on your own, mm. um, and it's it's really toxic and it's really harmful. I mean, coaching originated in the corporate world where there's pots of money around, and people were able to just splash out and go, if I have someone around who is really positive completely on my side really skilled in what they do and they can help me make sense of my situation and move forward um that's a valuable thing and so you just found out that all of these top executives um and i've worked with a lot of these people that yeah they, they all it's, it's completely bread and butter for them everyone is in coaching and everyone has got someone on their side who's like their cheerleader um and then there's everybody else. And there's this idea that for everybody else, you're supposed to do it on your own. And that there's something shameful about asking for help, asking for support, asking for someone to help you just step outside of your life for a sec and come up with more clarity. Um, and I really, I just don't buy it. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, just through my experience, I've been doing this coaching thing for nine years. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with people from pretty much every possible background. And they all benefit from it. You know, they just sit down and it's just such a relief for them to have somebody who is completely on their side, who is um, pretty supportive of their goals and helps them make sense of the situation. So um, the stigma thing, it's, it's really, it's old messages and it's all got to do, it's bound up with cultural shame and all mm. sorts of complicated things. But it, I think it's up to each of us to kind of step beyond that and just go, where do I want to get to in my life? And then what tools will help me get there? And often having a coach or at least some kind of cheerleader for your, for your vision, it, it's just hugely helpful. What, so what, why, where does that born, what's that born of then, that, that cultural kind of um, divergence from you know, reaching for help and, and asking and, and finding the support you need? Mm. And why, why do you think, is it more pertinent these days versus the, the olden days where we're, I don't know, Oh, okay. This is huge. Um, <laughs> so, um, historically speaking, uh, I would say that this is um, stuff that grows out of uh, post-war um, kind of dealing with the trauma of war, and then every you know, there's kind of the idea of the self-made man being really, really deeply ingrained in culture. Mm. Um, I don't think it was hugely uh, prevalent before that. Um, you then had like a, a massive surge of uh, the feminist movement, um, and since then. Uh, in my experience, women are much more willing to step forward and ask for help, and they tend to go through personal development and personal growth much more quickly. Um, and and it, so a lot of it is just historical baggage. Um, and other things are just... Uh, I mean, these days there's so many examples of perfect people. You know, whether it's celebrities or whether you go on Instagram and you see all these perfect people living perfect lives with their gorgeous holidays and their fantastic kids and everything's good mm. it's all a facade but we're all trying to t we're all trying to carry on this facade with each other we're trying to convince everyone else that we're fine we're not fine mm. we're all struggling um and uh, so I, th I think that sets up a lot of the pressure as well i think that the idea of of not carrying on the pretense anymore not wearing the mask that you're okay um is is very frightening and i think that it brings up uh, deeply buried things about how we should be um, and whether we'll be accepted if we just drop all those masks and go, hey, this is who I am. I'm amazing in all these ways and yet I'm really struggling in these ways. Um, so many people just really fear to do that and I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we need to embrace the fact that we're flawed humans are flawed individuals and yeah. we've, we've all got these faults and that's yeah. that's what creates a connection yeah. as far as i'm concerned yeah. and that, that's, that's where the beauty of life comes from of course, it's, yeah. it's, you know, they say the cracks is where the light gets in it's all about <laughs> um like it. the, the, the fantastic book the gifts of imperfection and it's all about uh being real you mm. know I, I say this to my clients all the time um whatever we're doing like if we're really talking about the future if we're really talking about making a holistic sustainable amazing future for for this person let's be real you know let's talk about the real baggage that's going with you how much it can hurt in some situations and how in other situations it just feels amazing that fullness that spectrum of experience that is being alive um and that's that's where i try and get my clients to amazing yeah i think you, you summed it up really concisely which is awesome um and and, and I, I love the quote as well i think that you know cracks where the light shines through that's that's a that's a nice uh a nice comment to think about mm. isn't it really when you when you're discussing this but i think yeah and, and i I'm, I'm coaching some, some guys at the moment and and i think there's a 
you do feel that social sort of pressure to 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 stiff up a lip um yeah, you know previous generations didn't have didn't have these problems mm. um and that's the that seems to be a narrative that i hear quite a lot certainly in the you know guys guys looking for help and right. you know what yeah. why do i why why should i have to why do i have to reach out for help you know my my grandparents didn't yeah, they yeah, did yeah. x what's y and z me? what's wrong with me yeah. and and yeah. i think that's going on a lot in people's heads and that's as far as I'm concerned, that's just holding people back from yeah. actually yeah. doing anything. That's that's almost can become an excuse to not take action yeah. because you're just like, well, I just I just grind on and 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 there's no there's no joy in that. There's no purpose. There's no sort of seeking happiness in that in that sort of road. As far as I see, I think there's also there's a real danger. I was talking to one of my clients about this earlier today of, of people who reach a point in their life where they feel successful and then they rewrite history. They, and they tell the story to each, to other people and to themselves that they made this for themselves, that this was always going to happen, that fate made, brought them to this place. Now, uh, some of those things might be true, and I'm not dismissing that they're possible, but you, it's, it's, it's amazing how often you find this story where someone who has really struggled throughout their lives and then they finally make it, perhaps later in life, and then they just tell, they look around to everyone and go, look, guys, look how great I am. Look how mm. much I've succeeded. And I think when we grow up... Um, and we look at our parents and they've gone through their really hard years before we came along. And then we're born and they're just succeeding and thriving. And they're like, we're then trying to compare ourselves to them. The way you were talking yeah. about, like, our grandparents didn't need to struggle. Well, they did. Uh, our grandparents at our sort of age were sort of post-war sort of time. There was a lot of privation. There was a lot of struggle. Um, and you had, you know, full credit to them. They gritted their teeth and they just got on with it. But... Now we have the opportunity not to just grit our teeth and get on with it. We don't have the story of huge success at the end of our lives to be able to say, hey, look how amazing I am. And we just sort of feel ourselves struggling. Um, and, and that's okay. Yeah, I think, and, and what you touched on there, which I've heard called the narrative fallacy. So we, we create this narrative that, that isn't based in reality. Yeah, and, totally. we, and then we carry that around forward. And, and it's interesting. And then, like you say, we're constantly comparing ourselves to what's going on in, 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 in the other space, whether it be our parents, parents' parents, or other people on social media. And, and it's just uh, trying to validate um, what's, you know, that, that there is no path to, 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 to happiness as I view it from there. Um, and the, the, the point is, it's, you know, what you should be comparing yourself to a version of yourself that you mm. want to get to, really. I think mm. it, it, it's, it, it just doesn't, doesn't add up. And also, you know, your parents' lives are not your lives. You know, technology changes at such an ever, ever speedy, speeding, speeding phase, and and yep. you, everything moves quicker, and yep. lives are very different now. So, what? Why is there a comparison? I don't think it's fair to cut down and draw those comparisons, really, yeah, because totally things agree. are completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm, 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 I have conversations with my godchildren, and they're sort of, you know, growing up fast, um, and they're they're asking me about their parents, and I, I said, well, it's, it's hard to make a comment because. When your parents had you, they were different people to who they are now. We're 10, 12, 13 years past mm. that point. Do you know what I mean? We're mm. constantly evolving, yet we pick these pick these uh, snapshots of time, create this narrative around yeah. it, and then carry that forward. It's, exactly. it's not yeah. helpful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, comparison is generally a problem anyway. I mean, it just doesn't help. Uh, everyone can look around and point to someone and go, look, they're doing better than me. Mm. And everyone can point around, look around and point to someone and like, they're doing worse than me. And what's that done for you? Um, uh, I, as a coach, I'm all about results. I'm like, where is your approach and your mentality and your belief structure taking you? What are the actual results of the way that you're doing things? And I don't see good results from comparison. Um, I, I see uh, uh, anxiety and stress <clears throat> and a need to uh, pretend to be healthier and more whole than you actually are. Um, and I just see it holding people back. When we can drop that and just be with self, just as you say, be with a future ideal version that you visioned for yourself. Um, that is, that's the person. That's the person to to look at and go, how do I become more this person? Yeah, more more wholesome. Mm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting topic that, that that kind of unravels, doesn't it? The more you think about it, yeah. Um, yeah. and and you see it, so, it's so prevalent in in our day to day kind of view of the world. Is mm. this comparison matrix yeah. Yeah. that we live in? It really yeah. is. It's it's a shame. Yeah, um, it's hard to get out of sometimes. So let's 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 jump into the to the book a little bit. Let's talk about the book. Yeah. So um, you've I'm you've taken hold a copy of it while the, I talk. this this project lasted how long? Well, um, so I, I decided 
uh, <clears throat> end of 2017, I was just like, you know what? I've got enough stuff. Why have I not written a book? This is ridiculous. Um, and then I uh, took the beginning of 2018 and I was sort of sitting down. I, I do this around New Year every year. I'm sort of like, right, what are my, what are my goals for the coming year? Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I'm going to write a damn book. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, so I structured it all and then I took myself on a few uh, retreats. The first one was to a remote Scottish island called Iona which is absolutely beautiful. And just being in the middle on a, on a remote inner Hebridean island was perfect. Uh, just me and my laptop and, and there's no excuses anymore. <laughs> and just, yeah, just then just um, pumping it out. So so actually writing, it happened over a year, 2018. Uh, I, I, I sent the first draft off to print on like the last days of December. Um, but effectively three weeks was when the bulk of it got put onto page. Right. Um, and then this year has just been uh, running it past people. I uh, got some uh, some really good friends of mine who were in really good positions to help. Um, and they were sort of my test readers. And then I hired an editor and a, and a proofreader. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's coming out tomorrow. You'll cool. be able to what's, pick up a copy. What's the key message? Um, and, you know, why did you focus on the bits you focused on? Obviously, writing a book is a process of refining what you know, isn't it? Yeah. Distilling it down so it, it's kind of more applicable. And, and yeah, maybe you can talk about what, what are the key messages. Yeah, sure. <laughs> absolutely. Um, the book's effectively three parts. So the first part is what holds us back. Um, and it's just the first third of the book is just this exploration about why do we get stuck? Why are we stuck within certain belief patterns or parts in our life? Why do we go through the cycles of, you know, having the same kind of relationships over and over again, the same kind of jobs, never quite getting where we want to go? The first section just unpacks that and goes, guys, here it is. This is why we do this to ourselves. Um, the second part is made up of these 12 principles. I mean, the title of the book is 12 Words That Will Set You Free. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's based on... So I did this, like, 20-year research, you know, investigative project, and... Um, I then wanted to make it practical for my clients. And so I sort of coalesced. I know it's the same problems coming up over and over again. So clients would keep turning up and they keep struggling with the same stuff. So I came up with little sort of antidote phrases like um, affirmations, which was the perfect, as far as I could understand it, antidote to this thing they kept presenting with. Um, and there were 12 of them. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, and so that the, so the second part of the book just takes you through those those 12 things. And they're... They're like the building blocks that I understand to be what we really need to understand to build a really satisfying, successful, um, fulfilling, nourishing life. Uh, everything from succeeding at work, having great relationships, to understanding where you are in the world, feeling like you're making a difference and contributing. Um, so, um, if I, it, you know, there's nothing I can really reduce that to as one thing, but mm -hmm. it's just sort of this series of, uh, I guess, lessons, which is just like. Um, Here's a thing that a whole bunch of people struggle with, and this is why, and then here's an antidote to it. Yep. Um, what I found then was I had a lot of clients who worked with me for a while, and they'd start getting this stuff, and they would turn up, and they'd sort of look at me, um, and they go, I don't know how to talk to people anymore. I don't know how to talk to my friends anymore, because my whole approach to my life has changed. I'm, I'm perceiving things in a much deeper and, and more sort of holistic way, and I don't, like, I've got to completely reinvent myself. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, that is kind of true. You've gone through this big surge of personal growth and you do experience things differently. So the third part of the book is much more frank and it's just kind of a conversation, you know. I've done my teaching. I've said, here you go, here's a bunch of stuff. And then it's like, okay, you and me, we're now on a similar place. Uh, here's some bits of advice about how to live with what you now understand, uh, how to integrate it, um, how to um, how to take those lessons and really practically apply them, I guess. Um, how to live in a sustained way this this more conscious, um, more successful, uh, more fulfilling, more connected, more vulnerable, um, more passionate life. Um, and um, yeah, so the third part sort of takes you through that. It is a chunky book. Um, one, one of my proofreaders said, uh, one of his bits of feedback was, um, are you sure you couldn't split this into two books? Um, <laughs> and I decided, no, this, this really, it hangs together really well as these three parts. Um, mm -hmm. Why are we stuck? What's the antidote? How do you live this? Um, so that's kind of the structure. Cool, cool, cool. And and you're obviously kind of excited about the launch. And, I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and uh, you know what, what's is there the, the number twelve? Is that is that is that important to you? I think it's, it's quite a, it's quite a sort of. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I couldn't really tell you why. I, I've done a lot of um, in all the years that I've been doing all the things I've been doing. There's you know numbers come up a lot, and there's yeah. sort of there's, there's the eight directions, and there's. Um, 
Uh, I've been part of a council which was based on Native American stuff, and that had a numbers associated with it. And and twelve was in there, um, and I certainly wanted it to be. Uh, I don't know. There's there's something quite uh, whole about it as, yeah. as an idea. Um, but uh, no, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think when I when I came up with the twelve principles originally, these kind of twelve affirmations, and then I wrote them out as words, and this, you know, this became the title of the book. It felt completely right. But um, if anyone's got any ideas about why that feels so completely right, I'd be well up for listening to that. I think they're. I think they're. Yeah, I think the number twelve does come up quite a lot, doesn't it? With the, the sort of in history, but but yeah, it's, it sounds 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 like I need need to read the book. You need um, to read I haven't the book, had a chance. I haven't had a chance to um, <laughs> get my hands on it yet. But um, and what what's do you have a reader in mind? Is is it someone out there facing a challenge in their life specifically that this will benefit them? Um, or is it is it kind of like this? Everyone needs to read the book. Well, I've got to say honestly, everyone needs to read the book. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my head, um, it's kind of the same as my client base for my coaching. I, I, I work with people who have reached a point in their lives, and whatever they've done so far isn't working anymore. Um, they had a strategy and a way that they approached their lives, and a kind of methodology which maybe never really worked brilliantly but kind of was able to get them through and then they reach a point and it just all kind of falls apart mm. um and they just kind of look at their lives and they're okay but they they feel kind of frustrated and they feel stuck and they feel perhaps overwhelmed by where they are um and and this book is really uh, uh written for them um and i mean i think we all experience that at some point in our mm. lives and actually my through my experience and my exploration of all this I would say it's important that we all go there at some point in our lives or several times in our lives. Um, it's a real opportunity for a surge of growth in a new direction. Uh, I think if you if you live your whole life in one methodology and one approach and you never shift tact, you miss a whole bunch of opportunities. So um, I really think we all reach that at some point. Hence, everyone should read my book. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, it's it's really for that 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 really rich. Um, uh, a uh, fertile time when it's really ready if someone's really ready to surge into growth which at the time can feel painful and it can feel frustrating and it can feel overwhelming but um but what it really is is this amazing opportunity to um to rediscover yourself and learn who you really are and and take these amazing steps so so yeah it's kind of written for them okay interesting and i thought i think yeah i couldn't agree more i think the we we all we all come across that 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 those crossroads, don't we, in life? Yeah, and absolutely. and you know, some, it, it's so tempting to kind of leap across and just carry on down the same direction yeah. of travel without really spending the time to reflect and yeah. and, and yeah. just yeah. understanding where you are and, and why you made decisions you've made and where you want to move to next. It's mm. really mm. Um, it's really uh, crucial to, to to kind of being being fulfilled. I think, which is a big driver in my life as well. You know, because I've I've, I've come from a from a place of doing lots of different things and and you know arguably a bit directionless and yeah. and you kind of you know we're all on this searching searching journey aren't we where we're kind of looking for looking for what feels right yeah. and what where we belong and what 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 routines and what patterns and what thought patterns are actually going to bring us um what we'd consider some, some level of fulfillment yeah absolutely yeah so uh, in the book or in your coaching practice, what what are the kind of tools and tactics that you use um, with your clients? Um, you know, obviously you've got twelve that are laid out there, but maybe there's one or two that sort of jump into your mind when ask ask that question around someone who who hasn't gone through a coaching cycle or mm, coaching mm. process or even a, a therapeutic process. You know, what are the what are the kind of building blocks? Step one, step two, in terms of their their tools that they need to be start adding to their arsenal yeah sure okay um well i can think of 12 um <laughs> but uh i'll give you a freebie the first one so the first word uh, in the 12 words is choice right. um and it's a fundamental shift of uh thinking and believing and approaching life than most people in our culture have so um most people are um there was a 19th century uh, Danish philosopher called Søren Kierkegaard, who I studied a lot at university and I'm a big fan of. Um, and he had this phrase that most people are like drunken peasants on a cart, letting the horse take it where they will. Um, <laughs> and we're all doing our best, of course. Yeah. I'm not putting anyone down. Everyone is doing their best. But for a lot of people, it is just about responding to what happens um, and trying to keep up. And there's this sort of idea about constantly running to keep up with what's going on in your life. 
Um, so the, the fundamental, most important thing, and you will find this in all coaching approaches, not just mine, um, is that you have power, you have control, you can choose a, a bewildering array of the things in your life, like way more than we think we can normally choose. We can choose like, what is our future going to look like? We can choose what our relationships uh, feel like and, and how they're structured. Um, we can choose how we emotionally respond to situations. So there could be things that regularly make you really angry or that are very frightening for you um, or, or just destabilize you in some way. But if we understand our emotions, then you get to choose those responses. Um, and it's this, it's this what, what I, the, the phrase that I use a lot in the book is returning power to the center. So it's not about um, uh, letting uh, a choice that you made when you were small define your whole life or make, make, letting the way that your parents educated you to choose uh, define your whole life. Um, this is about what choices are you making right now, like right in this absolute instant, right now, um, that are leading you to where you want to be, be in your life because you have power, you have choice. And we once we begin unpacking this, it's, it's really quite amazing the radical degree of freedom and choice that we each have. Um, so... Um, that comes up a lot in my coaching work. Um, you know, I'll stop people halfway through something and they'll be saying like, well, I, I can't possibly do that because I've, my whole life has been like this. My parents, you know, they, they, you know they, they taught me like this. And I go, okay, do you still want to do that? Or do you want to choose doing something else? Um, so that's the thing. Uh, that's more of a kind of belief than a technique <laughs> because the techniques tend to be like um, reactionary. It's like, like observe a client and say, what, what are you actually struggling with? And how can I find the right words and the right um, approach that will reach you right now uh, and transform your experience of this moment. Um, and, and that tends to be quite organic, but it's based on these kind of philosophical ideas. And one of them is very much this idea of choice and power and freedom. Cool. And, and that's what, what you were talking about there reminds me, you know, how, how easy it is to fall down a sort of a parental um, pathway that without realizing it um i i've i've had the privilege of of of, of mentoring some you know uh trainee doctors um come oh, out wow. with me on on the ambulance and bits and pieces and and they're sort of halfway through their program of learning which obviously is quite arduous mm. and over a, over a protracted period of time um you know especially for a 20 something year old you know six years is is, is a long long time whereas i think yeah. you, as you get older six years it becomes a bit more of a flash in the pan yeah, yeah. um but <laughs> But, um, but, but, and, and I see a lot in, in their reasoning, cause I'm always questioning their reasoning. Why are you doing this? What, what, what's important to you? Mm. Um, because obviously it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have with someone that's on such a, a, a such a straight path mm. that, that has, is the investment up front is huge, um, as to where they want to go with it and, and what they want to do. And, and it's really interesting. You get these young kind of, you know, and there's a clear differentiation between really bright eyed, um, very motivated about getting into the medical profession, helping people um, and, and kind of doing it quite, quite for the right reasons versus the other group that I meet who, who are a bit rudderless, but they're still on this path um, and you can't help but feel their intrinsic motivation isn't the same. It isn't quite there and it isn't burning bright um, mm. as perhaps it should be. Yeah. And then you can pick kind of maybe peel that back to kind of their, their kind of parental pressures perhaps, or, 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 or you know, societal pressures to go down that path of, of the, the, the profession, you know, mm. get into the profession of medicine and, you know, everything will be all right. Mm. Um, flip that around. I now spend a lot of time with GPs. <laughs> right. And again, you see the other end of the spectrum they've died. They've had, they've had a 20, 30 year career as a GP. And, and you can kind of see again, those, those, you know, the, those ones, you, you know, try and join the dot, the person at the start that was bright eyed and the, the light was burning. You can, they're, they're a certain type of GP further down the road versus another type of GP who have, have kind of like spent the last 20 years on a, on almost on a treadmill. Mm. Um, and that's, and that's really interesting, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the going through that process for me and seeing the kind of both ends of the, both ends of the, <laughs> both ends of the puzzle, really, it's, it's intriguing. And I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's so important to really focus on the choices you're making and the reasons behind those choices yeah. it can't, can't be, can't be emphasized enough. And I'm, you know, the stuff that I do, obviously it's more health focused but um it's i'm always really pulling at people's goals and kind of you know what i say is a level one goal is usually what someone gives you like they want to lose a bit of weight or yeah. they want this this single problem solved yeah. but actually you need to go level two level three level four mm. and understand what their intrinsic motivation is and, and what those like i said those narratives are in their heads um that's really great yeah i mean i uh, i i get as i say i get clients from every possible background and i get quite a few clients who are later in life um and I've had some work with some clients who were um, dying, 
And um, one of the things you, you know, people go looking for a life coach for a particular reason um, and they want to make a change. Um, and they've usually reached a point where they're ready to make a different choice and to turn the corner. And I say to my clients, you've probably done the hardest work before you got to me because at some point something has changed in you and it said, I'm ready to change now. Um, but I get these older clients coming and they'll sit in the chair and they'll say, um, well, sooner or later it will come up just how much they regret. Um, and they look at me and they just say, I've wasted my life. Like the age I am now, I could have been doing this work and I could have been living this life 20, 40 years ago and I have missed so much. Um, and we always have to work through a certain amount of grief, which is for the years that have gone by and the person they were pretending to be. Um, so I completely agree. It's all about making the authentic choices, you know, stepping into who you really are, because decades later, you're going to look back and go, why didn't I do that? Mm. But, but, but can you, can you kind of future pace that? Can you get, if, if someone's not willing to be at the right point in their life where they can actually start thinking about these things, um, you know, and they're coming to you later in life, can what's your view? Can you, could you have seen them 10 years old earlier and made an impact? Or do you have to wait for someone to mature enough to, to raise their awareness enough to think, actually, things aren't quite right. I'm actually going to reach out for help. I mean, mm. you know, can you, can you lead a horse to water and make it drink? That's a really interesting question. And it is like the, the ultimate question, I think. Um, I, uh, I'm lucky, I guess, in that by the time somebody Googles my name and they turn up in the chair, they've already decided they're ready to do the work. Mm. Um, uh, whether they were conscious of that or not, they are ready to do the work. And um, if I'd spent them 10 years before, maybe. I mean, maybe with the right words and the right examples and uh, a bit of an inspirational pep talk, maybe we could have triggered that earlier. Um, I do believe these things happen at their time. Mm. Um, you know, as much as I believe, I totally believe in freedom and choice and power, I, I do also know that if you're locked into something um, and you feel it's beyond your control and there's no, there's no influences in your life that step in and go, um, hey, look at yourself, look at what you're doing, maybe change direction, then it's really hard to, to make that choice. Um, and I've always got this kind of feeling that that life does this, that when it's the time is right, then um, the beliefs coalesce and you, you know, you, you, you get to see, you know, maybe it's going through a crisis or maybe it's uh, the end of a relationship or maybe it's changing job. Maybe it's moving house, whatever it is, something shakes things up enough and you get to step back and you look at it, you go, hmm, you know what? I need to do something about this. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, th I think there always has to be some influence uh, that steps in and, and offers someone a ray of light or a, or a, an inspiration or a, a different way forward. Um, that always seems to be the thing. You know, when clients turn up, there's always been something that's happened. Uh, maybe it's a parent's died or maybe it's um, they came into some money or something has happened that's really shaken things up and they've gone, hang on, something needs to change here. Mm. And often it's pain, isn't it? Often it's pain. Yeah. yeah. There's a role to pain. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. So I interviewed uh, an American guy about... Um, a couple of months ago now and, and his you know he helps people with all sorts of uh different um disease manifestations oh, yeah, uh, phys physical yeah. um physical manifestations of pain um uh, his 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 uh organization is called stop chasing pain and mm. and he, he you know he's, he's very much about the physiological uh, impact of pain and how, how to un unpack that as what's to going on mm. but he's but, amazing on instagram <laughs> yeah he is, he is yeah, amazing yeah, on instagram i reshare yeah. his stuff all the time yeah he puts a lot of work into that um so and and i'm just i was reflecting that reflect on that conversation when you when you were talking about that because i think you know, his thing is, is, you know, pain is a message from the body. And I think we could, we could flip that round and saying, you know, if you're, if you're suffering pain from what is perceived as the external world, a challenge has jumped up in your life, then again, there's a message there, isn't there really yeah. that you can, you can, you, you know, it's give you're given an opportunity to, to, you know, someone, someone has given you the opportunity by, by inflicting a little bit of pressure, a little bit of pain, mm. you know, opportunity to change, isn't it really? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, Plato said that um, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Um, and the idea that there are people around us who aren't carrying pain is ridiculous. Um, I have I have maybe met two or three people in my life and I've had, a, <laughs> I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of really interesting people who I don't think are carrying um, 
what I would refer to as psycho-spiritual pain or uh, sort of a crippling level of shame. Um, and pain, I think, is is a companion that we all carry until we choose to face it. Um, I think that it can suddenly flare up and, and it can become way more um, present and obvious all of a sudden, but um, who doesn't carry huge challenges through their lives? And I think that, yeah, every time that you experience pain, there's an opportunity there. There's growth waiting to happen. It, um, I th- thoroughly believe that people are are born to grow. We yearn to grow mm-hmm. um, and change and, and learn new things and uh, and fundamentally change who we are over time. Um, and I think pain is, is the the sort of measure of what's needed and how you're doing. Mm. So there's so many different angles that, that I, that, you know, I'd, I'd love to explore. Um, obviously we're not going to explore all days, but I'm, <laughs> I'm interested. So the coaching you do, the, 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 the content of the, the book, the awesome book that you've put together feels like, um, you know, tools and, and, and ways to analyze what's going on in your life and very practical uh, based around methodologies that yeah. you've you've um, employed, um, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but but, you know, I, I know in your past that uh, there's also been emphasis on a, a spiritual connection. Mm. So h- how do you um, how do you balance that um, in, in kind of your approach and, and, and your way of doing things? The, the, the kind of spiritual component where maybe there are less tools and tactics around um uh, versus these you know the, these these fundamental methodologies and the bits and pieces that you've put together to, to to assist your coaching and assist the people that you coach yeah okay um big question yeah big question <laughs> let's do this um so um i have a form that uh, all my clients fill out before they come and see me um and it goes through the different aspects of their life and says how are you doing with this bit of you and one of them is your spiritual experience. And um, most people don't put a lot there. They'll sort of say, don't really feel like I'm not religious. I don't really feel a lot of stuff. I do a bit of mindfulness and that works for me. Yeah. And that's cool. I'm, you know, the thing that I'm absolutely hot on is I ain't here to push anything down anyone's necks. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you haven't encountered a spiritual calling or feeling or kind of need, then cool. That's totally cool. Um, for those who have, then... Um, when we enter that sphere of work, it does feel different than the rest of the coaching work. You know, a lot of coaching work is like, where are we going? What are the methodologies? What's the te- you know, what's going to give you the results you want? Mm-hmm. Then you look at the sp- look at our spiritual dimension, and I think of us as four dimensional beings in that uh, we have a a thinking mind, a feeling heart, um, a, a physical self, and a spiritual dimension. Um, and um, who is qualified to teach spiritual stuff? Um, especially now, but who the hell is qualified to teach that? We've got some priests um, and, and some ministers, but then they, that comes with a whole bunch of baggage. You know, you've then got to accept what their religion tells you. Heavy indoctrination. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you choose not to, or if you find that a religion doesn't speak to you, then what do you do? Um, and those become really uh, rich, tender, uh, and, and often totally unique kinds of conversations. A lot of my clients do get there. Um, we'll, we'll reach a kind of plateau in the work um they'll have done they've done some amazing stuff they'll take some massive steps forward they've landed the new job they've got the new relationship they've you know, everything's feeling fantastic and then we'll say okay so what's next and they'll say well i'm starting to have this feeling like i i really want to explore my spiritual dimension with my side these feelings that i have um one of the things i do say in those situations is um it's really hard to distinguish between spiritual calling feeling and need and emotional stuff um and i i really feel like a lot of the stuff that people call spirituality is actually emotion uh that it's just feelings you're having and that's fine that's important that's hugely important but i i think that spirituality is necessarily relational so um someone's spiritual experience is in relation to something um and some people experience that as god and some people experience that as um as nature um but but i really I, I i encourage people to think of it in that kind of way because that i i don't particularly distinguish between the spiritual and the practical i think that um spirituality should be and can be and 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 uh and it thrives when it's wedded with the uh the practical and the tangible so um i find that nature is an amazing way into all these stuff um get out get out of your house get out of your regular routine if you can leave your phone behind um and and go out into a park or into a big bit of the downs or the beach i'm very lucky to live right by the beach here um and and see what calls to you and just just but um 
But I think it, it has to be that necessarily relational thing. There is something that is calling to you or that is speaking to you or that you are interacting with through your spiritual experience. Um, and if you approach it in that kind of way, I find that there's the sort of more stuff to work with, if you know. So, so you, you've obviously been on a journey in that space. Sure. Um, and and I, I don't want to dive into that too much, but but what what's what what feels is there a, a is there a god? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the question of all questions is there a is there a uh, is is there a, a process that someone can 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 endeavour on to 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 try and get more connected to their to their spiritual nature? I mean, or, or does it have to be organic? I mean, I, I've probably got my own views on that, but I'm just curious as to kind of you know whether you think the you know the conversations that you have and your own personal views around you know is it is this something right okay let's pick this book up and see if i can get this spiritual connection going or or, or... uh okay so what i would say is the is, is an important starting point is to get the other stuff that you might confuse with a spiritual experience out of the way mm. um because um we easily confuse something for a spiritual experience um so um really understanding what what are what are emotions and what are they trying to tell us what is their function um and what is your relationship with your individual emotions um once you've got that piece really understood then when you enter this spiritual um transcendent kind of uh, grace whatever experience um you won't confuse it with an emotion so you it, 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 i feel that's a necessary step also important to explore the kind of belief structures that you were brought up with um a lot of us were brought up a kind of um, an atheist kind of uh, background. And yet, you know, when you're at primary school, there might have been some hymns sung or there might have been some priests around or there might have been whatever it was. Um, and some of us grow up in a really uh, a, a highly religious kind of uh, place. So also understanding that, what is, what is the stuff you bring to this experience? You know, if you look at the history of religious experience that people have, they tend to have the religious experiences that they expected. Um, Catholics tend to see the Virgin Mary. Um, you don't see, a, you don't hear a lot of stories of Catholics having a spiritual experience where they see Muhammad. Um, so I, I think that it's important to approach it holistically in that sense. So understand these other dimensions of you, so that you are clear and ready. Um, the rest of it, yeah, I think it's pretty organic. Um, I do feel like our culture is pretty currently pretty hostile towards the idea of spiritual experience. So I think that there are things you can do to help. I mean, personally, I enjoy going to religious uh, and, and spiritual spaces. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, one of my New Year's resolutions was that every day I would visit a um, a spiritual space. Mm. So um, whether that was, I was living in the southwest at the time, so whether that was visiting a stone circle or a church or a synagogue or a mosque or whatever, um, and just to allow. Uh, allow those non-normal kind of feelings to happen mm. you know it, it can be so a spiritual so anti-spiritual to just be kind of walking around the streets and chatting to your friends and where where would it get in you know where, where would that experience begin so that's some stuff yeah i think finding space to allow isn't mm. it as well finding that those gaps and i think that's an important part of understanding more and raising your awareness as well yeah, isn't it yeah. we, we you know i mean <laughs> We could spend the hours and hours talking about the, the, the sort of distraction economy that we're in now, and mm, you don't, mm. you don't, you're not finding those spaces. You're not, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to quote unquote get bored. Yeah. You're constantly filling the gaps, filling the voids, um, and that's where the growth happens in a lot of lot of respects, mm. I think. And that's where these sort of the deeper thinking happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of boredom. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're very peripheral in in, in our our approach you know nowadays, and, and I think it's it's led to sort of a, a bit of nihilism around how to live our lives it mm. creeps in doesn't it because we're yeah. constantly just fired at bang 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 bang, bang and suddenly 20 30 years have passed um it, i think finding space can be really valuable in, in pretty much everything we talked about but yeah. certainly the spiritual um component from mm. from my perspective i think it, it's interesting because i, I was sort of brought up uh, a sort of combination of greek orthodox church of england okay. um and very very different uh, very different uh, approaches and, and and ways ways to live uh one's very much community community driven mm. um and i think only recently i've i've sort of become more spiritual through actually sort of breaking the shackles of of, of religion my religious yeah, right. upbringing and my religious teaching mm. um to actually you know actually because because i think connection with the self is is the first step from my perspective mm. and then finding the space finding and raising that awareness and 
sometimes when you're you're given you know you, as a kid you're, you're sort of shoved down your throat and you're given the books to read and you're yeah. given the, the, the you know you're given the you're given the map get them while they're young exactly you're yeah. given the map but it's not the right map for you yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't yeah, really yeah. fit and i know you know i've got a good, good, good friend of mine um is you know study theology and he's gone into the church and he struggled with that this specifically for a long long time sort of his search for you know what is right what what is meaningful and mm. and, and uh his connection with the with with, with higher powers yeah, so it's, it's an interesting space yeah. um cool okay mindful of time i want to push on i've got yeah, some more, sort, of, sort of quick quick fire questions Ooh, um, okay, here we go. um around coaching really and and um and then maybe we'll, we'll talk a tiny bit about more about the book and 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 where where people can kind of get in in contact with you. But um, sure. so it, it's interesting because it lots coaching is a real buzzword these days. Um, lots of people are doing it. Lots of people are seeking it out. And there's different types. There's all sorts of uh, stuff going on. And, and you know your classic. You hit something on the internet, and next thing you're haunted by it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm sure everywhere. everyone can relate to relate to that. Um, yeah. You know what what makes a good coach. Um, <clears throat> having done the work to uh, understand your own stuff so you're not bringing your own baggage to the situation uh, a willingness to get invested without um, becoming uh, uh, your, your esteem becoming dependent on your client's success um, and a really great attention span <laughs> yeah I definitely agree with that last one you need to have the focus don't you, you the do. ability to be present yeah. for sure um, and uh, we've covered it we have covered it but specifically wh- why why get a coach um <clears throat> a coach is a cheerleader a coach is the person who is always on your side um and has the tools to be able to listen to you speaking about your life listen for what you're not saying and for what is an opportunity that you might have missed um give you that kind of reflection and then help you find the structure and the clarity to be able to um make like really practical uh, real fundamental change in your life um, and move you towards a, a vision and if you don't have a very clear vision they'll work with you to develop that too yeah i think um yes and uh, to add on to that as well from my perspective is the it's someone that isn't invested in 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 the outcome you know that isn't part of your circle yeah. at, at some level everyone you're in connection with is invested whether it yeah. be someone at work um someone at home you know they've got they've got an investment and and, and that can muddy the water a bit so having that objectivity i think mm. is a key component as well yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then so, you know, so we, we hear a lot and, and this is something that, that isn't, isn't relative necessarily to, to the question I've just been asking. But so, you know, mental health is a massive topic. Everyone's talking about it. And, and it, there is a sphere of, uh, you know, within the coaching space around, you know, understanding and signposting people out that have got maybe deeper issues and, and, and more bigger and, and bigger challenges out there. Mm. Um, but, it, you know, what's your view on the current situation around mental health mental health awareness and where, where does the line stop between kind of what what would be considered you know normal crossroads that people come to and challenges they face and and understanding raising awareness um dealing with difficult areas um versus you know what i would consider a true mental health problem because i think you know it's a term that gets banded around so much and mm. I'm, I'm intrigued because you, you commented at the start around depression and, and those bits and pieces yeah. and and it, you know it's such a fine line it's a balance how, you know what's your view on that and how do you kind of differentiate mm, okay um Mm. <laughs> so um mental health stuff is um is it, it i mean it has to be understood as kind of being a psychiatric thing it's a it's a it's a health condition yeah um so it is different from a belief structure um or a temporary struggle um or um you know just a kind of a life pattern that someone is stuck in it's a particular diagnosable clear condition so uh overwhelming anxiety and depression and 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 uh, mental health you know conditions um that they can all be very clearly diagnosed and um i think that's kind of it's always a question for me there's a section in the form when a client comes to see me you know how you know have you had any experiences of mental health issues um and I wouldn't feel qualified as a coach to be work with someone who really was in the grip of all that. That's that's something that uh, that counselling can really excel at, and something that medical treatment can really help with. Um, but there's a, there is a fine line, and it is it is a difficult one to spot sometimes between a person who is has been struggling for a long time and is just kind of overwhelmed by the experience they're having, and but there is opportunity there for them to just. Uh, make some changes, see things in a different way and start moving their whole life on. Um, 
and somebody who has um, a clear medical thing going on, uh, which which no amount of just chatting about it or coming up with a plan is going to deal with. Um, it's difficult to really to really uh, sum up that. Um, I certainly wouldn't say that I'm an expert in mental health. No, um, I I do. Uh, watch out for it and there are you know i've been doing this long enough that i can now sort of look out for okay we're now moving from the territory of personal struggle and temporary challenge and into something more systemic um there's a there is a blog entry on my website about depression um and kind of my views on it um and that's but that's that is very much from personal experience um so yeah often just um looking out for it uh, and trying to spot the differences and just being conscious of this stuff. I mean, I think it is, it's true, it's valid, it's really important. And as you say, it is growing much more at this time. Um, so um, I think it's something we all have to be mindful for. And I think it's way more common than most people think it is. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I used to think that. Yeah, I, I used to 100% agree with what you just said. Um, I'm, I'm slowly, uh, more recently coming to a, a slightly different idea around this blurred line between um what the the massive um what everything is being categorized as mental health versus the clinical um treatable you know uh, uh, problems that mm. people um need additional support with and i i don't know i don't know the answer um i'm, I'm not a le- I'm not an expert you know in clinical practice i we i deal with a lot of mental health people and and that's that sort of a formula is my thinking around this is you know i don't know that, that there's such a broad spectrum that i don't know if everyone who who has gone to their gp and has been you know diagnosed with a quote-unquote mental health disorder and, yeah. and prescribed something is what i'd consider a true clinical case for mm-hmm. x y or z whatever yeah. that might be and, and i think there's there's a danger now that you, you've talked about details and, and and understanding and time spent i, I think the danger is um the in the health service we're not spending enough time to actually dig and understand where sure. where that demarcation lies and and then therefore in theory there could be a group of people that could need um additional support for sure um uh, because they don't have it within their community within their their, their social construct um but uh it not at the level that requires medication that are getting medicated you know mm. they're, they're you know my feeling from my experience is that there is a cohort of people out there that that is getting medicated when perhaps a a, a, a session um with someone like yourself would be more beneficial yeah, yeah potentially i mean this is this is very much a resource thing you know if you look at the nhs and how ridiculously overwhelmed it is mm. and how under-resourced it is and just the number of people that it has to deal with, it has to work in terms of like public health kind of scales of things and like on average, what good are we doing? And the individual can get lost in that process. That is absolutely no criticism of anyone involved in the process. It's just the scale they're dealing with. Yep. Um, and um, when you're working with someone like me and we we have the time to be able to explore things like um, really understanding your emotions on a, on a really sophisticated level, that uh, that understanding can shift everything. Yep. Um, and that can help people who are in this kind of borderline case that you're talking about, the, the, the border case that you're talking about. Mm. Um, yeah. And it, it's it's very not clear cut. Yes. You know, I've spoken to, 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 to senior consultants. I've been lectured from senior consultants, very small um, forums where it's been a very sort of interactive session with these senior um, psychologists and, and consultants within the health service. And, and you know, they, they're, they're really unclear when we talk about tertiary mental health problems. But primary and secondary, it's, it's much more clear cut. Mm. Um, usually there's some sort of, um, you know, that's potentially a, a hard wiring problem. Um, but the tertiary stuff is really not clear cut and that's their view you know at at a very senior level within the within the healthcare system um so it is is a really murky murky sort of field but i'm just i was just curious on your your view and i think you've articulated really well you know and 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 it's 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 a difficult beast and and the resources resource allocation is always a it's always an interesting one i think we're going off on a little bit of tangent there and i wanted to kind of to to, but i had it had it on my bit paper because i I, i'm intrigued in your view because i know you've you've experienced it you're you're in that space Mm. into a certain certain extent mm. um awesome alexander i, I just want to um, kind of 
draw this to a close sure. um we we talked uh, quite a bit about your book and i'm really excited about the project um and uh so that's going on sale tomorrow which is the 7th of 7th december, of december. Yeah. um where can people find it where can people interact with you tell us yeah sure um so uh, the book's available on amazon uh, it's available as a paperback or on kindle uh paperback is 10.99 and the kindle is 5.99 title is 12 words that will set you free Finding Confidence, Purpose and Passion in Troubling Times. Uh, my name is Alexander Butler, so if you search any of that, you'll come up with it. Um, I will be sitting down with a microphone early next year to record an audible version, so that will be available to download through that as well. Um, yeah. Wicked. Go out and grab a copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, I'd like to add that it, it, it's, um, it appears to be, you know, really applicable based on based on your personal uh, endeavours in that space and, and practical application as well. So yeah, it's, it's a get, very practical book. Yeah. yeah. So it's not, it's not, a, it, yeah, it's not, you're not, you're not, you're not getting steeped in theories and getting lost in, yeah. in, in the, in the detail of it all. So, yeah. so one we, of the revisions, I went back and removed the word therefore wherever I found it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Cool. So, um, excellent. Uh, so, so that's, that's, that's where everyone can find it on, yep. on Amazon as in tomorrow. So go and grab your copy, everyone. Um, and thank you very much, um, Alexander. And you, hopefully we'll, we'll do a ver- an episode two once, once we, the book's embedded. And, yeah. and I'd love to hear some feedback yeah. on what, the feedback you've had from the book. Yeah, that, that, that's very exciting. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well up for it. Alexander, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Cheers. There we go, guys. Another episode in the bag. Thank you very much to Alexander. Uh, really excited to hear about his project and his book. And that is launching tomorrow if you're listening live. Um, if you're not, then, then you, can, you can find it on Amazon. Um, 12 words that will set you free by Alexander Butler. You can also um, jump onto his coaching website and order a copy or, or get in contact with him if you want more from him in terms of his services and bits and pieces. Um, so please go to deepcoaching.co.uk if you want to engage with Alexander. You can also find him on Instagram um, at deep underscore coaching um i'm also intrigued to hear your feedback so please either review on itunes apple podcasts google wherever you listen to your podcasts or connect me directly on social uh, at the knock t-h-e-n-o-q i'm uh, always really keen to hear feedback from you guys and how you're finding the episodes and shows so please share it um pass it on to someone you think can benefit and check back in for the next episode thank you very much for listening